Hey there, this is Coach AA, and welcome to the May 30th edition. Three things for today, starting with the obsessive, which is the second type of person that George Leonard talks about. As always, I have three quotes for you. And the final piece on hard and fast rules. So, let's get started. Let's meet the obsessive. So just to remind you, last week we met the dabbler. The dabbler, well, dabbles, gets bored when they hit their first plateau and goes on to something else. The obsessive. The obsessive is a bottom line type of person not want to settle for second best. He or she knows results are what count and it doesn't matter how you get them, just so you get them fast. In fact, he wants to get the stroke just right during the very first lesson. He stays after class talking to the instructor. He asks what books and tapes he can buy to help him make his progress faster. He leans toward the listener when he talks. His energy is up front when he walks. The obsessive starts out by making robust progress. His first spurt is just what he expected. But when he inevitably regresses and finds himself on a plateau, he simply won't accept it. He redoubles his effort. He pushes himself mercilessly. He doesn't understand the necessity for periods of development on the plateau. Somehow, in whatever he's doing, the obsessive manages for a while to keep making brief spurts of upward progress, followed by sharp declines a jagged ride towards a sure fall. That is directly from George Leonard's book, Mastery. As I mentioned in my first post, the approach we take, well, that's our choice. Sometimes the approach seems to be, well, I don't want to say permanent, but long-term. So if you've had many places, you know, where you have dipped your toes, but never leveled up, that's a strong signal. Now, while I think the dabbler is a useful persona to use and wear for a variety of things, especially, you know, recreation and play where you don't want to compete, you just want to have fun. I think the obsessive comes across as a face in the fitness and nutrition sphere. Now, some people, you know, the type A might tend to be 
obsessive for a longer period and maybe that works for them in certain walks of life but I don't think it works over here being obsessed over fitness and nutrition and what I mean is not eating sugar for 100 days think there is a pattern that develops a pattern of uh, body image issues or well some larger deeper emotional stuff that's just not conducive for long-term sustainable peace and happiness in the sphere of fitness and nutrition. Let me tell you about my obsessive phase or as I used to call it before, my idiot phase. This is the period in, in my life where after I started dabbling with CrossFit and all that, I, you know, dived deep. It is it was still a period of intense excitement. Um, you know, I, it was just a little off balance. I don't think there's any judgment here. Well, especially as I'm looking at my past self. But I think that has to do with the fact that I learned a few things out of my obsessive phase and I moved on from that. I realized that there are many, many good habits I picked up over this uh, time of my life. Uh, let me just give you a few ideas of uh, uh, you know things I would do. Um, I'd pour over the menu of the restaurant that uh, m my wife and our friends would be having dinner, uh, you know, later in the day. Uh, to make sure, you know, there was enough uh, gluten-free and sugar-free and whatever else uh, I was into. So I would know what starter I was going to eat and uh, what mains I was going to eat and all that. I would obsessively research uh, restaurants in uh, San Francisco and rate them, you know, as places I could go or, or places only... Uh, you know, I could go to when I was off the plan because uh, some of these places, um, I mean, again, being SF, there were uh, places that did uh, humanely raised meat, blah, 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 you know, stuff I was rather serious about uh, over there. Plus, it was available that way. So I wouldn't, for example, go eat at a Burger King, for example. I would never go off the plan. I would not even contemplate planning going off the plan as part of the plan. Um, there was a very short period where I did uh, CrossFit workouts back to back. Um, Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. with uh, Kelly Starrett and uh, 8.30 with uh, Carl Paoli. Ah, I remember like yesterday, uh, it, was, it was fun, it was brutal. Uh, I was in my 20s seem possible but uh, yeah 
I would uh, take my own boiled eggs to lunch. Even though the place I was uh, going to eat uh, lunch at with my uh, uh, buddy Alex was this uh, kind of hippie-ish, organic, and all of that kind of restaurant only. Uh, why? Because the farm I bought my eggs from was more free-range than the farm that this place uh, bought their eggs from. That's why. I um, stopped going to uh, post-game uh, beers with my uh, uh, rec league team. And that's just downright silly. I mean, I could go, not have a beer, or simpler, I could go and have a beer. It's one beer. If one beer every Tuesday uh, spoiled my plans of uh, world domination or whatever, yeah, that's a pretty uh, lame-ass plan. Uh, going gluten-free, going sugar-free, blah, 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 for about 100 days. Um, making my own meal replacement bars for a, for a three-day hike uh, up uh, Mount Whitney. And that's all I ate for, for the uh, first uh, two days. Just these uh, 200 calorie or 300 calorie bars that I had made and I would eat about you know, eight to ten of them. They did not taste great. It tasted edible, but hey, I think you get the idea. My thoughts on this, because all of us will go through an obsessive phase. I think maybe the real smart ones will skip it. That's brilliant. Moderation is an expert move. I think being in balance itself is something that doesn't happen. That is, I don't know if you can balance, let's say, your work. Uh, let's say you're at a startup and you're trying to uh, build a company or your company's under intense growth. Well, work will take up more of your time. There will be imbalance. But let's say you're having a you know, personal life event. Let's say you're having a baby. Now, there should be imbalance going the other way, right? So there is going to be imbalance, but there will be balance in imbalance. Let's say your weekdays are skewed towards work and your weekends are skewed towards family and friends. That's okay. That's actually a brilliant way. But sustainability, balance... Moderation, especially in, you know, there's just yet N equal to 1 in fitness and nutrition. This does not feature at all for an obsessive. I found that there were a lot of valuable things to learn. Like not giving in to cravings. And because cravings are just thoughts, you know, they just randomly come up. Just like, hey, don't think of, I don't know, a polar bear and you're thinking of a polar bear. The fact that you're not going to eat sugar means randomly sugar thoughts pop up. And sometimes they are so irrational because just the previous evening I might have had ice cream. But I want ice cream now. So realizing that having a craving is normal and 
I don't need to be motivated or driven to say no was something I learned just by having this no be the default decision for a while. So when I slowly, you know, veered towards sustainable living, this was very useful. Because sustainable living does not mean giving to your silly cravings all the time. But there are, you know, other unfortunate silly things that you might do. Like not having a beer with your mates. Like not having cake on their birthday. Sometimes that's the wrong answer for life. Which should be the bigger picture that you look at than your dietary goals. And because think about it. You might say no today and you're like, oh, I'm so strict, I'm so super. But then three weeks later, you know, you're crying and sniffling your way uh, uh, through a tub of Nutella because you just crashed and burned. Was it worth it to say no to a beer and hang out with your friends? Probably not. And... As part of my third uh, piece today, I will talk about, you know, it depends. You cannot have a beer today with this friend you're seeing and then a beer tomorrow and then a beer day after and then get tanked the weekend because it's somebody's party, whatever. So it's a slippery slope. It's where common sense and knowing what you want come into play. So my learning, while it was useful to have as a face, uh, in my life, especially as I was doing this after having no idea about anything. But the only good that comes out of this phase are a few skills that you learn to morph towards a sustainable way of living. Black or white, zero or one, doesn't work. Obsessive behavior and compliance for a few weeks, then crash and burn. Rinse and repeat over years and years is not the answer. Whatever the question is, that is not the answer. Well, that's the obsessive. Let's move on to three quotes for this week. The first one is from a slightly longer article from Derek Sivers. Here we go. Imagine the Olympics, where you have the three winners of a race standing on the podium. The gold, the silver, and the bronze. Imagine what it is like to be the silver medalist. If you had just been one second faster, you could have won the gold. Damn, so close. Damn, damn, damn. Full of envy. You keep comparing yourself to the gold winner. Now imagine what it is like to be the bronze medalist. If you had just been one second slower, you wouldn't have won anything. Awesome. You'd be thrilled that you're officially an Olympic medalist and get to stand on the winner's podium. Comparing up versus comparing down. Your happiness depends on where you're focusing. 
the second quote by, I'm going to butcher this name, Pema Chodron. Maybe the only enemy is that we don't like the way reality is now and therefore wish it would go away fast. But what we find as practitioners is that nothing ever goes away until it has taught us what we need to know. End quote. Anytime I get an uncomfortable thought of feeling, you know, the first reaction is to bury it and to run away from it. And while that's still the first instinct, when I remember this quote, I try to come back and sit with it as they say in meditation. I'm still not entirely sure what they mean by sit with it, but I try to sit with it. The reason I find this extremely interesting, besides the obvious personal development, is I think this has a lot of root in what my uh, students go through, like say stress eating. It is a coping mechanism. You're running away from something and you're trying to find comfort instead of that discomfort that bothers you by you know, eating goodies. That obviously doesn't work for the long term. And I think as part of how I can coach better, there is, there is uh, some, some gold here that I need to mine further. Anyway, the last quote by Richard Feynman. But I don't have to know an answer. I don't feel frightened by not knowing things, by being lost in the mysterious universe without having any purpose, which is the way it really is, as far as I can tell possibly. It doesn't frighten me. End quote. Like sometimes I think about, you know, how did this you know, universe begin? Uh, I mean, we are about 14 billion years old. And here we are, you know, each of us, maybe if we're lucky making it to 100, uh, it's not even a blip. And, you know, we're wondering what our purpose is or where did it all come from? What does it mean? What are we meant to do? Blah, blah, blah. Do we really need to know? Or, I mean, is this is the game. Play it as well as you can. And we don't really know what question to ask, I think. Okay, let me rephrase. I have no idea what the question is. So no answer, you know, is going to make any sense. Uh, that's why I think 42 is just pure, pure genius. If you haven't read uh, Hitchhikers, take the week off, read the book. All right. The last piece for today on hard and fast rules. For most questions in the realm of fitness and nutrition, 
the correct answer is it depends. Should you do intermittent fasting? Should you live three days of the week? Should you change what you're doing or keep going? Should you rest or not? These are not straightforward questions, even if they seem like it. For example, you know, if your intensity or load you're lifting, let's say you're deadlifting two to two and a half times your body weight, well, the recovery time for that is a lot more than if you're uh, deadlifting, you know, 24 or 32 kilos or whatever. So one training plan, very different from another training plan. Most diets come with very strict rules. In the short term, diets work. Well, if you stick with them, they produce solid results. But pretty much all diets, the wheels come off. It's just they are so restrictive, they're not built for life. A good training plan has clearly defined days, you know, what what you're supposed to do, at what in intensity you should be doing it, what you're supposed to do on your day off, tick off. It'll also have a few guidelines on what to do if you're not feeling great. Let's say today you're supposed to go, you know, lift a lot of weight, but you're not feeling great. Well, go do, you know, 10% or 50% or whatever. Or if you're feeling so terrible, well, then take the day off. Since they are open to interpretation, the complexity begins. So rules are constricting. Guidelines are open to interpretation. So what do we do? Because sometimes if your shoulder hurts, the right answer is to go see a physical therapist. Sometimes the right answer is to go do your training session, but find substitutions or regressions for that shoulder. Don't do, obviously, say any shoulder pressing or push-ups, but do something else. Now, the real complication arises when these rules drive us crazy. Let's take a few guidelines which are misinterpreted as rules. You know, walk 30 minutes a day, five to seven days a week, or walk 10,000 steps a day, or eat three meals. So does this mean if you walk for 28 minutes, it's a wasted effort, and you walk for two more minutes, and a magical transformation takes place? Well, of course not. But what if you have time only for 15 minutes? Are you gonna skip? Are you gonna sit and watch TV? Because, well, you can't make 30 minutes anyway, so why waste your time? Or do you think something is better than nothing and do those 15 minutes? Most guidelines fall apart because they are given as rules. And rules annoy us sooner or later. There's the other side of the coin as well. You're feeling bored. You don't really feel like it. 
lacking motivation, rough day at work. Uh, I don't really want to go on this walk. You know what? This guy on that blog told me that I don't need to do it. Great. I'm going to skip my walk. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to use cricket. And I apologize if you're not a sports or a cricket fan, but I think you'll get the analogy. It's a big deal when somebody scores a hundred, called a century. Meaning lords you get on the honors board and all of that. You know, there's a jumping, there's the chest thumping, and there's the hugs and the bat up and standing ovations and all that. But what if you get, you know, 97? You're three short of 100 and you get out. Well, does it not mean as much as 100? Of course it does, but there is a significant sense of disappointment or lack of celebration. See, in cricket, this is just a line in the sand that, that's been drawn. It's a good, nice round number, 100. Now it go from double digits to triple digits. And so they came up with the concept of a 50. Why? It's, well, half a 100. And it's easy to keep statistics. And it's a good way to draw a line in the sand. But funnily, certain things happen. A lot of... Uh, uh, Batsmen in the 90s do silly things. They don't play according to plan. They get a little too frazzled. They make bad decisions. They slow the game down when they shouldn't be. Well, not all of them, okay? There's, there's always the Virendra Sevag to, the, uh, to be the exception. But you get the idea. This scenario is brought up because of a glorification of this milestone. But you need this in cricket, right? You cannot celebrate every run. That's the job, score runs. It is a useful time release valve. You know, you're like, okay, great. I'm gonna take a minute off from concentrating. I'm gonna acknowledge what I've done. Now, game on. Let's recalibrate and move on. But coming back to the world of fitness and nutrition, 30 minutes versus 28 minutes, a hundred versus a ninety-seven. We need a shift in thinking. Can we have the right set of rules and know when to relax them? Can we have the right set of guidelines and know when to use what? With binary thinking, most things fail. Okay? You're not eating sugar because, well, you're not eating sugar. Craving gets bad. Can't take it. Stressful. So you take a blob of delicious lint and you pop it. Now, in your rule-driven diet, you've broken the rule. No sugar. Well, one, you know, ball of mint. Lint, I mean. And you've broken it. It's done. So you're angry. For what? I don't know. But mostly you're angry at yourself, you're angry at the rule, you're angry at this repressed way of eating, you're angry that you need to diet, 
you feel a little guilty and then well the craving hasn't really gone away well you've already eaten sugar so let's get some ice cream shall we so you order ice cream ice cream is on the way let's pop a few more of these delicious lint balls and about half an hour or 45 minutes later you've stuffed your face you're feeling a little because <coughs> you ate too much you crammed it in because well you mistook yourself for somebody in starvation somebody who's never seen chocolate in their lives and then the next morning you're angry you don't feel great you feel maybe disgusted that you did what you did now this flawed thinking happens because of these hard and fast rules but unfortunately you keep doing this you fight through for two weeks and then you blow up or it's two months whatever right but this this doesn't work have the ice cream because you wanted that ice cream you thought about it you are pretty good with the progress you're making with the guidelines you're following and you ate it and then the next day you're obviously back doing everything else you need to do and it should be pretty obvious that there's no ice cream today why well ice cream every day or two days in a row does not fit with your goals and your values and your guidelines you know you're going to go to the gym and you're going to put your shift in you don't need to work out all that ice cream cuz you know this is just a process rules make us do silly things but we need rules but we also need guidelines and coaching and common sense so the answer to the million dollar question of should you have ice cream tonight well it depends well that's it from me thanks for listening you guys have a good one and i'll see you next week this is coach aa signing off